Hey, Founder Fam, before we dive into another incredible conversation, I want to share something really special with you. Whether you're just joining us or you've been following us since the beginning, you've been a critical part of our community working to change entrepreneurial education. I started Founder almost a decade ago with the mission to provide entrepreneurs access to the world's greatest business leaders. Our goal was to break down barriers to entrepreneurial education, and that's taken us on a journey from Founder Magazine to this podcast and beyond. And today marks the next step in that journey, Founder Plus. I'm proud to introduce you to Founder Plus, which is an all-access pass to each of our online courses and programs and their proven frameworks for success. It puts every strategy we've compiled from world-class instructors at your fingertips while connecting you to a global network of like-minded entrepreneurs. Founder Plus will take your business to the next level for today and tomorrow. So whether you've just joined our family or you've watched us grow from humble beginnings, we're really thrilled to have you join us in this exciting new phase of making the founder brand and this company the world's best entrepreneurial community to launch and grow your business. So finally, before we get into today's episode, I'm inviting you to come back, check out Founder Plus and go to founder.com forward slash membership. I'm really excited, guys. This is an incredible new evolution of entrepreneurial education, and our mission is really to get as many of these founders that we interview to teach and also give back on the Founder Plus platform and really go more in depth with the knowledge and the experiences and the lessons learned that they're sharing all in Founder Plus. So guys, please go check it out if you're enjoying these interviews. That's it from me. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's jump in. who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary Vee, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, I started Founder to serve people like you and me. People want to start their own business and pursue purposeful work, meaningful lives, and the ability to chart their own course. It's been 10 years since I first launched Founder Magazine and Founder still exists to demystify entrepreneurship and really share successful stories from successful founders and empower as many people as possible to define their own success on their terms. None of this would be possible without our amazing community of students. Whether you've taken one of our courses or several, subscribed to the magazine, read an article on our website, or listened to our podcast, you're part of the Founder family. And the latest issue of Founder magazine is dedicated to you. In honor of this occasion, we're shifting the spotlight onto our very own community this episode. The remarkable individuals you're going to hear from have been diligently implementing the proven strategies and insights provided through Founder Plus, which is our comprehensive platform designed to equip founders with everything they need to start and grow a successful business. 
Usually we bring you conversations with some of the world's most accomplished founders, but today join us as we deep dive into the journeys, experiences, and successes of our very own students. So if you've been following these episodes so far from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. This is an episode you do not want to miss. Firstly, we're jumping into conversation with Madison Danforth, whose agency Boho Social was forged really out of frustration. Madison started Boho Social in 2020 with no budget and no clients. Three years on, she has a waiting list of clients and Yahoo Finance named her one of the top 10 CEOs to watch. Here's how she did it. I'm Madison from Boho Social and I am an organic marketing specialist. I specialize in everything not paid basically, so no paid work, everything organic. And yeah, I've been doing that for almost three years now. So coming up to three year anniversary of my business. It's been a long journey now. It's been, yeah, years and years. So I went to uni and I studied communication. So I did mainly marketing and PR. And back then we really focused on LinkedIn and Twitter because they were the two big social media platforms. Um, and it was really corporate based. So it was, you know, crisis management and, you know, how big brands would use their brand voice on socials. And it was just getting into brands, kind of getting over the hurdle of not having a corporate voice. It was learning that, you know, a brand can actually be a little bit more personal and a bit funny and all of these things were just starting to emerge. This was, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So we're really just seeing that, that start. Then I graduated uni, uh, worked in digital agencies. So I've always been in some kind of digital marketing pretty much. Uh, moved to London from Australia, as a lot of Aussies do, had to have that London experience. <laughs> worked in digital marketing over there for a year. And then my other year, I worked in communications. Came back, did a few bits and bobs and worked for a business, just building their, building their brand, building their business and sort of building that brand scratch that was like a year and a half gig basically where I just got to work on that one business which was really cool to work on something from the ground up it was like it was like having a baby it was like raising this child and um, you know helping their team grow that business and then I very briefly worked for another agency didn't really vibe there too much and I kept seeing these small business owners come into meetings and it was heartbreaking because they'd all come in, they'd be so inspired and they'd be like telling you about their, their business or they'd like bring in a really cool product and we'd get to see it and stuff like that. But they just didn't have these huge agency budgets to be able to afford, you know, the packages that agencies offered. Usually it's so inclusive that, you know, it's up in the tens of thousands of dollars. So I'd always see these small businesses like leave the meeting. You just see that little like, defeated look on their face like, oh, I know I need marketing, but there's no way, you know, we have the budget. For this and I kept seeing it over and over in a short time I was at this agency and I thought I know I could help them like I know I could just like send them an email and be like oh hey like I know what we should do here's the plan but obviously I couldn't because I was working for this agency and then that's kind of when Boho Social the idea was born I was like hang on I have the skills and the knowledge and I love small businesses so much it's me I can help them so um yeah that was it I left that agency uh, on a Friday, started Boho Social on the Monday, probably a Saturday, let's be honest, straight away. <laughs> and that was it. I've been um, full-time ever since. So that's kind of how it became. I just had to help these small businesses that needed that guidance. I think going from that full-time gig with a good salary to literally nothing 
made me work so hard because I didn't have anything to fall back on. It was like, this has to work because I have to pay my bills. Um, so it really gave me no choice. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do everything in my power, you know, to get this business off the ground because I don't want to go back to a big agency. I want to help small businesses. So I just told myself, you got to make it work. Whatever happens, it's going to work. <laughs> First thing I did, I think, was build my website because I had a bit of experience in that. So I was really excited to like build my website and do those little like fun things. The next thing I did, I think, was jump in um, Facebook groups. So I'm in um, WA and we have one called Girl Boss. And it's just full of Perth business women, you know, asking for recommendations and asking for things. So I would just sit there and I would wait and I would look every time I went social media. I was like, hi, my name's Madison. Uh, I have this business, I can help you. And I just like plug myself like continuously. Every time I saw someone asking for social media help, I would literally tag myself and be like, hi, yeah, I can help you. I can do this, I can do that. And I'd sit in there and I'd just continuously, like every day I would look, has anyone asked for social media help? Has anyone asked for this? And then I started getting more and more clients and then they'd start recommending me in that group and other groups, which was really cool because I could stop plugging myself so hard and let other people, you know, help and, and do it for me. And yeah, it kind of took off from there. So I think the very first thing I did was get a website. So when people, when I did tag myself, I could be like, hey, here's my website. Like, I'm real, I'm legit, I exist. Um, and I think even before that, I was thinking about this the other day, and my very first sort of business expense was getting my logo done. So I had not a lot of money to spend on everything, but I knew that I wanted like a really cool logo that represented the brand. So that was the first thing. And I was so excited to get that like on my website and on my socials. And yeah, the, the Facebook group was probably the very first step in just connecting with people and putting myself out there. My first client for social media was an interior designer. And yeah, she, she wasn't keen. A lot of clients come to me, they're not like keen on a platform. They're like, I don't really like socials. And I get that. It's not everyone's thing and it's time consuming as well. So it's like, we can't, you know, put that much time into every single part of our business. We've got to outsource somewhere. And she was really looking for that like connection and collaboration. And I remember, I think it was two weeks in after I'd taken over her account. I remember getting a DM from her. I've got a screenshot somewhere and it said, oh my gosh, I've got like 40 new followers and all these DMs from um, clients and builders because she wanted to connect with, you know, people in the industry. And she was like, it's only been a couple of weeks and like all these things are happening. Whereas before it had just been pretty, you know, nothing, a bit dead. And then all of a sudden she was getting all these things come in and it was cool for her to see, oh, wow, this platform actually is letting me not only show to more clients, but also connect with people in my industry that's going to help my business grow, you know, in other ways. So I think that was like a huge moment, not only my first client, but you know, I got to get her results really quickly as well. So yeah, it was definitely a win for both of us. After that one year, that things really started to escalate. So I had gold in my business coach and that was like the 10K month. I think a lot of us in business have that 10K month goal. Um, so I had that and I did three consecutive 10K months. And my business coach kind of said like, this means that you have the tools now to keep being able to, you know, bring in that, that 10K. I was like, cool, just keep doing what I'm doing. And then it just kind of kept growing, like by two grand, by four grand, by five grand. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, like, is this the new normal or did I just fluke it? Was it just like a fluke month? And then three months went past and I was like, okay, no, still making like well over 10. Okay, here we go, here we go. And 
now I have like sort of capped myself again while I grow because I need more systems and automations and processes in order before you know I take on another team member or give current team members more hours because you need that good foundation before you can go to the next level so I'm at a level where everything's working pretty smoothly but I know I need a few extra little things in place to be able to take on more clients so it's a difficult phase to be in I guess because I know that there's more clients that want to work with me and I want to work with them but I also know from you know previous experience that it's overwhelming if you don't have you know the processes and procedures and all that especially automation in place to you know go to the next level without any more stress you just want it to be nice and cruisy and just feel like where you are now and yeah systems processes automations definitely make that so much easier start before you're ready because there's no green flashing light one day you wake up and there's a little sign above your bed that says today's the day you're ready today I don't think you're ever going to feel 100% ready to start your business launch that new service or product or do whatever that thing is you really want to do you've just got to give it a go and do it so with anything in business start before you're ready and you just work it out you work it out as you go but you never know if you don't start next up you're going to hear from mia dixon who was three weeks from launching her second business when she decided to post about her product on tiktok the organic momentum on TikTok helps safe bands generate $10,000 in sales within two weeks of launch. So we sat down with Mia to learn how she put this powerful social media tool to good use. Enjoy. So my name is Mia Dixon. I'm located in Townsville up in North Queensland. And my second business through uh, the start and scale side of things is Safe Bands, which is a wearable waterproof wristband uh, for kids, adults, and including a pet collar attachment that can store contact names, numbers, as well as any important medical or important information about the wearer. So I have four kids. Uh, all four of mine have been runners at some stage. They've all picked the perfect opportunity to just leg it in the opposite direction. Uh, but the, the aha moment was that when I went to a rodeo with a girlfriend, she wrote her phone number up her son's arm. And she's a police officer. And I kind of thought, as a police officer, I wouldn't want my details out there on display. I didn't like that idea of having my mobile really, really out there. So I... Uh, noticed that it wasn't just me who had an issue and kind of started just working behind the scenes on it. And luckily enough, with our first business, we were able to reuse some of the tech behind the scenes to build out this second business now. We actually started, we probably had a dozen different molds, a dozen different ideas, everything like that. Um, obviously we needed it to be mum proof and kid proof and living in North Queensland, it needed to be sun proof, waterproof, everything proof we could think of and we had managed to do that so with some of the earlier molds we were using like a, a plasticky type material I have a lot of skin irritations and allergies and things and it wasn't working with me so I thought it was not going to work with the majority of people and then um, we switched it over to a different type style of band we wanted it adjustable because we do have quite a few uh, adult wearers as well and so we needed it to fit sort of toddler to adult race so, so we say one size fits most um so the other the other side of things is we like to go camping a lot and so there's always a lot of nighttime use and everything like that so we made sure that we stitched in reflective stitching into the band so it could be used at nighttime we could play spotlight and find the kids in the backyard that sort of thing 
So we've really tried to think of every angle we possibly could as parents. And then the kids, our kids have tested them, you know, through, through thick and thin. And uh, we've come up with probably the best design that we could possibly think of to make it all happen. We probably contacted um, half a dozen, a dozen manufacturers, uh, received samples, all that sort of thing, sent feedback, and you know, just like you do, you know, not quite right, not happy with this, want to change this, yada, yada. And we managed to finally get in contact with someone that understood what we were hoping to achieve with the brand and hoping what we wanted the product to achieve. Uh, and all of the different do's and don'ts in the product that we wanted it to be able to to do and not do. So it was a mammoth effort. I'm very lucky that my husband plays um, a quiet role, but a very important role behind the scenes. And yes, we, we managed to get there in the end. It took a while, but we got there. <laughs> I actually um, got them to send over a few samples and I lent them out to my girlfriends. They have kids sort of under five or six and, and toddlers and everything as well. And I just kind of said, put them through hell. I'm going to do the same. I really want to see how these go and how they're tested. And that was kind of before we had the tech in it. It was just about the band itself. And they did. God love them, good friends of mine. And, and we did too. Our kids, we, we took them camping. We, you know, had them in and out of water parks, everything we could think of. And the lasting effects of the quality of them really stood the test of time and, and everything. So we were really happy with our end result of what we had ordered. And then it was kind of time to, to figure out the tech side. After I dabbled in the platform with Social Dot, I knew that I needed to bring safe bands to, to TikTok. Um, and we started probably about two weeks before launch, maybe three, I can't remember. Uh, and we just started telling our story. You know, we're a mum and dad. This is, this is what we've come up with. We're so excited to be launching a new brand. We didn't give away a lot of information, but we were just telling that story aspect. Through that, we managed to grow our email list before launch. And once we launched, we used that email list, obviously, to let everyone know we were alive and well and off and going and continued to post our TikToks. As I said before, like with people reaching out on TikTok and things, they have a great feature where you can video response a question. So when people were asking, you know, does this suit for NDIS? Can I use this for my Nana in Belgium? Can I, you know, whatever it is, I would video response back to them directly. That would then go gangbusters as well well and it just slowly grew and grew and became this big marketing machine for us that was very organic and very uh, honest to what we are and wanting to help which I think has made a huge difference in the end to to our marketing. Our own curated hashtag of safe bands has over 5 million views on that hashtag. Uh, certain videos and things have popped off which has been amazing but uh, overall yeah, a huge amount of views in probably, I think we've been on the platform for five months. So we've managed to amass uh, over 30,000 followers and a verified channel on the platform as well. So we really love our TikTok community and they really do play a huge role um, in our side of the business as far as improvements and suggestions and questions and sales and, and everything like that. So yeah, it's been a big big crazy journey over on TikTok for us. <laughs> I think as always, before you hit launch, you sort of climb a mountain. And I was having this chat with my husband the other day. It's like, you you know, you put in all the extra hours yeah, after the kids go to bed, everything like that, you get to launch and you're just knackered. But then as soon as you hear that little kind of ka-ching, you go, oh, 
hang on, here we go. Um, so it was really crazy. Within that two weeks that I started posting the back end story of, you know, how and why we started uh, on our TikTok channel, people were signing up in droves. And then within that, uh, after we launched two weeks later, we had sold around $10,000 of stock and we were putting in our second order of safe bands and opening up for more colors. Cause at that stage we'd only launched with a pink blue and a pet collar attachment. And some of the feedback that we had on our, um, TikToks, funnily enough, was that could they be more color diversity, you know, color isn't gender specific there was all these sorts of things and not that i think pink and blue are gender specifics they were just the market research that we had done and you know we opened it up to the audience and said okay well what colors do you want what do you want to see next sign up for the email list and you'll be notified when those specific colors come along uh, and that's what people have done since then so now we have five colors on board and the pet color attachment and it yeah it's it's been a it's been, I keep saying it's crazy, but it really has been crazy. <laughs> Get out there and talk about it as much as you can. Um, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't think that everyone's going to steal your idea if you talk about it, because it's not going to build a community. It's not going to get you the feedback that you need, anything like that. You just have to take that step and be brave, whether it's, you know, jumping on Instagram and building a platform there or Facebook or TikTok or whatever it might be. I think you just really need to be brave enough to put yourself out there, start talking about the brand, the ideas, the journey and the story behind it is a huge part. And just kind of make it happen. Like, don't take no for an answer and just do it. Do something every day to get you that one step closer to, to opening the shop and hearing that first ka-ching and then you're hooked, you're done. You'll be in e-commerce or, you know, your own business space forever, I think. <laughs> hey, guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success, you should come and check out our new podcast from Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. In this next conversation, you're going to hear from Mark Boxer a man with a unique set of skills. He's a qualified motor mechanic, a cameraman, a motorsports expert, a YouTuber, and an engineer. When Australia went into lockdown, Boxer's regular work began to dry up. He needed to find a way to make some money, so he turned to an invention he'd conceived himself a decade earlier. In just over a year, his business Three-Footed Monster has caught the attention of some of the most influential content creators in the world, and is dominating in its category. Let's have a listen. I'm Mark Boxer. I'm from sunny old Adelaide. I'm a mechanic by trade originally, and then I somehow transitioned into media and television. And um, from there, developed the product that I've been uh, pushing this last year. So uh, 
the product's called a three-footed monster. It's a magnetic mount. And it was originally designed a long time ago just because I used to do a lot of motorsport stuff and we we're putting cameras in cars and we wanted to do something different. So we made a magnetic mount so we could stick cameras inside cars in weird places. And from there, I eventually, I think it was last year actually with COVID hitting um, and a lot of work because of the motorsport TV and that I work in sort of dropped away. I decided to um, pull my finger out, so to speak, and, and get the product and develop it further. And then actually got it out there and ran a Kickstarter campaign on it and um, got it out into the market. Well, I think the first step was with the Kickstarter campaign, like, um, I mean, I come from a media background doing magazines and TV and stuff like that, but not so much a marketing background. I've been a content creator for companies and so forth, but it's always been based around products that already exist and things like that. So for me to jump in and do a Kickstarter campaign was... Um, new and exciting and scary because we weren't really sure exactly if it was going to work. And the word is that usually uh, crowdfunding campaigns are either successful or a complete flop. So for me, it wasn't really a huge success, but it did meet the target and went over it, which was great. So, and being a one man band, so to speak, um, it was enough for us to sort of jump start into the next step of you know, getting more product and then going to market and, and starting a website and selling on an e-commerce platform. So it has been a good start. And um, and I would say, you know, a, a slow start, but I guess, you know, going back to the fact that it is a very, I hate using this word, but a bespoke product, it's a case of, you know, just getting it under people's noses so they can see it and see how it works. I think for me, it was just more a case of, um, you know, financially actually just having the capital to build prototypes and stuff like that. So a lot of the money that was coming back in from sales was going back into, um, prototypes and prior to that as well when we first launched the product on kickstarter before that i had to apply and get a you know patent application trademarking all that sort of stuff which is i think um you know going off off on a tangent a little bit a lot of people jump into business without thinking about that sort of stuff and and then it can sort of bite them in the future and i mean yeah for me that was really important but um with the bigger versions i think really like magnets the bigger you go the stronger they are so it was basically a case of going well you know this one's going to suit people with say gopros and small cameras and phones and then if people want to go to like an slr camera or something like that then they can go to a bigger version but then it's not really specifically just for cameras you know there's people mounting all sorts of stuff lights and you know everything monitors that sort of thing i mean i think i'd shown you in the past um uh, several cameramen that went to the olympics in tokyo took their three-footer monsters with, and I got a photo from one of the guys who works behind the scenes doing the technical stuff. He'd mounted a monitor on the wall because they didn't have enough room for monitor stands and stuff like that. So they literally, just in a small office there, just stuck it straight on the wall in front of him. So just perfect for small things like that. I think researching your product name and your brand and, and company name is really important first because you can put all this effort into getting thousands of dollars worth of logos and designs done and then find out that, sorry, you can't use that or you use it and then you're infringing someone and then it ends up messy. But um, I think with the trademark, we've got the R logo on it now, which is great, um, all the paperwork to prove it and um, push that internationally. So I think that's all in the hands of the trademark lawyer at the moment. And same with the patent, everything's in there. So we're protected, but um, they are not a fast process. So it's something that I would say to people, A, do them before you get started and put your product out there in the public eye. 
Um, but do it as do it as a first point, even if it's expensive. If you have to find the money to do it, um, that's one of the most important things I think, especially if it's a new product and that hasn't really ever been seen before. When I first did the Kickstarter campaign, I basically just sent a bunch of products out to people, and whether or not my theory was right in sending products out in the hope that I get stuff back, I was pretty lucky to get some pretty good feedback, as well as some good content as well. And um, yeah, really, it just cost me the cost of the product and the postage. I know that there's um, through looking at the start and scale stuff as well. There's some pretty good um, info on dealing with influencers and content creators. At the moment, we're running some ads on Facebook. We've only just basically started running some ads, which are almost um, now the agency I'm working with, and, I, and you know, I'm no guru in this. That's why I'm getting them to do it. But um, they're doing some retargeting to see if they can put it back under the noses of people that have looked at it. Um, and then I guess collecting data as well. But um, we haven't really bombed into doing a lot of advertising yet. It's been very organic. So, which has been, I guess, a really good thing because if your product can sell organically, then once you start advertising it, then that's, yeah, hopefully gonna ramp things up a lot. But um, at the moment, I think we've run some on Facebook and Instagram, and now we're looking at TikTok as well and then also some Google ad stuff. So especially with a lot of YouTubers using the product and so much content on YouTube about camera mounts and, and so forth and phones and yeah. At the moment, and, and this is 100% um, big thanks to a girl by the name of Jessie on, on the Start and Scale group. Uh, we got chatting, turns out we've got mutual friends as well. She's put me in touch with uh, a 3PL company in America so um, I've been chatting to them quite a bit and they're really good because they help startups and they help new companies. So with that, we've, um, we're looking at very soon putting stock in America because right now as well, it's, um, it's been hard for us too because of postage and everything, getting uh, card abandonments and all that sort of stuff from people that don't want to buy the product because it's too expensive to ship or it takes too long. So that's a big plan for me. Plus getting back to the annoying, boring back-end stuff of businesses um, with me doing a lot of the back end stuff with the manufacturing as well, actually going into America, I've been very conscious of the fact that we needed product liability insurance and stuff like that over there. So you have to have your manufacturing uh, quality control and all that sort of stuff right too. So I think in the next you know, 12 months or onwards, I really want to have um, good distribution over there. Um, we're working with a company in Japan at the moment to launch in Japan. And um, there are two big market focuses at the moment, although um, I've got some connections in the UK and Europe and places as well. So it's more a case of just building, you know, the, the awareness of it, but then getting the products into the other countries so they can be shipped domestically as well. Because for me, um, yeah, if I, like if I'm buying something, I hate long shipping times and stuff like that too. So I put myself in the customer's shoes and go, well, you know, if that's going to take a month to get to me, I'm not really that interested in it. Whereas, you know, if in America, for example, this company, they're on the East Coast. And I think worst case scenario is four days to the West Coast in sort of Seattle or something like that. So customers over there, they're so used to the uh, the whole Amazon thing where they can get the product shipped next day. It's it, I want to sort of give people that opportunity too. As anyone in this sort of building businesses and products knows, it's an emotional roller coaster. So just ride it out. And uh, you've also got to be, and it sounds very cliche, but it's like, you've got to be your biggest supporter of your own product because if you don't believe in your own product, then you might as well give up. So 
Um, for me, I have gone through stages where I'm like, are people really going to like this thing? Or, but then when I get feedback, it sort of brings me back up again. So now I just, I just basically, there's no arrogance in it. It's a great product that does a great job. So when people get them, they might not understand it, but when they actually physically get it and they use it, like, wow, I wish I'd had this earlier. So, and like starting a business earlier. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, any advice would be to always seek out advice. Don't think that you know stuff as well. And that's what led me to go to the start and scale thing. The other thing, like we just spoke about, is not to get too far ahead of yourself. Like, I've got probably 20 product ideas in my head, and that's where they're going to stay locked up until I can get to that point. And as an example, Greta, I mean, she's obviously built one brand and, and a product and then she's gone, okay, well, that worked. I'm just going to rinse and repeat and do that again and again. And, and it obviously works. Lastly, we're going to hear from Nicole Gaveria, the winner of the Founder 2022 Startup Challenge. In 2022, we asked for your submissions to pitch us your dream business. Nicole told us about how she'd used our Start and Scale program to develop the plan for her brand, Lula Collective, a size-inclusive activewear brand built on community. We flew Nicole to her HQ in Australia and spent a week working with her on her business plan. You're about to hear her origin story and how she overcame some early obstacles in her journey. Here's Nicole. So I guess my journey begins with well, when I was a little girl, I've always been super independent, always loved to do my own thing. I've always wanted to run my own business, but I just never knew how that would look or how I would achieve that. Uh, late last year, I did the Start and Scale course with Founder, and I was able to come up with a business plan, and that was Lula Collective. Through this whole process of doing the course, I've learned that it is achievable and that anyone can do it. You know, I'm just a normal Kiwi woman who hasn't had any experience in business. I don't have any family members who have launched a business or friends. So this is kind of, it feels like a risk, but I know that I can do it because I've got heaps of support around me. The idea just came from the space of me knowing that I wanted to do something and really sitting down and hashing out like, what could that be? And what were the problems that I've faced in my own life and in my own past? So I did a bit of a brainstorm and I realized one of the kind of biggest and most painful issues that I've faced in my own life was around fashion, plus size fashion and being in a curvy body. So a few years back I was teaching yoga and I was in a bit of a bigger body than I am now at that time and I really, really struggled to find something to wear to teach in. So I guess this business idea comes from that past version of me and it's for the past version of me and for all the other women who are in that position where they just can't find anything comfy to wear, anything functional to wear when they want to move their body. And alongside that, I wanted to see an activewear brand that was about body positivity, not about trying to lose weight, not about trying to change your shape. I wanted to see a community that was empowering for women. And yeah, so I guess this is for me and it's for all the other women who stand beside me. I just followed the steps and here I am. I've got a business plan, I've got a brand, I've got something that is really clear and I'm able to tie together all of my passions, you know, supporting women, supporting mental health, supporting movement, all the things that I care about and I've been able to put it into a business. For this to actually be nearly present in the world is amazing. So my products are currently being manufactured and they should be with me at my home in just a few weeks. 
and from there it's just all good. I'll be sending the, the collection out to women, I'll be launching the business and I'm just going to keep building my community and serving the woman that I'm here to serve. I've had a number of challenges to get to where I am now and a lot of that has probably been around my mindset and has been around my idea of, you know, I'm a counsellor, I work at a school <laughs> and to think about doing something totally outside of the box of my skill set and what I've done in the past with my work can be really scary. So I suppose one of the biggest hurdles has just been myself. There's also been other hurdles around just the practical things of starting a business. I keep telling myself, I just don't know what I don't know and that's okay. So I've been looking for support from outside of myself and that seems to have worked out okay. It's definitely been challenging sourcing manufacturers and getting my samples right because to me, I realized that my kind of my core purpose of my business was to provide size inclusive activewear. Some of my biggest hurdles has just been in getting the product right, but at the same time, I know that it doesn't need to be perfect the first go around. And I just wanna get it out there and start collecting feedback and talking to my community. Even if it's tough for me now, and sometimes I feel like I don't know enough or I don't have the tools or the support maybe. If you're thinking about being an entrepreneur and starting your own business, I would say go for it. Just do it. Don't get in your own way. Give it a go. You, you never know. Like I've been sitting on ideas for years and I've been questioning myself and whether this was the right fit for me for years. But if you've been questioning it, then there's a part of you that really aspires to do this and you deserve to give yourself that shot and to try it out. And if it feels good, keep going. Today, you've heard from just a few of our students, but there are thousands of stories, all unique, but all rooted in one thing, trying to forge a better future for themselves and the people they're serving. So as we continue on our journey together, you can hear more of these stories in our Student Success Hub or by downloading issue 131 of Founder Magazine. We'll see you there and we can't wait to see what you build. Until next week. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.